All right. What's up, all you beautiful people out there? Happy Tuesday. It's May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Um, yeah, you know, life, huh? It feel, kind of feels like we're starting to maybe come out of this a little bit. And, uh, you know, certain things change, certain things stay the same. But uh, I know that... <clears throat> I've been doing pretty darn good despite, you know, all the crazy financial circumstances and, and all that, trying to make sense of it all. But uh, today, I have the supreme pleasure of uh, bringing on one of my absolute favorite humans on this planet. Um, this dude is... Someone that, like, from the first time we met, um, and that's actually a really good story. Maybe I should tell that. I met this guy uh, years ago. I think it was probably 2012 or 2013. And I had been asked by my friend to play a show in Fairfax at 19th Broadway. It was a benefit for, like, a school in Africa. And I think it was in, like... Kenya, I want to say. Um, I know, terrible ge geography. Uh, but I said yes to it. I was a little nervous because I didn't, you know, we didn't get a rehearsal in. I didn't know any of the, like, who the other musicians were that were going to be on the hit. But uh, my my homie, shout out Soldock, was like, yo, let's just, let's just do it. And uh, so I drove out there. I was living in the city at the time. Brought all my gear. And I'm out in front of the venue and I have my keyboard strapped to my backpack and I run into this guy on the street and I'm just like, hey, what's up? You know, I'm I'm Hobie. Uh, I'm the keyboard player. And he's like, oh, what's up? I'm Eli. I'm the guitar player. And uh, that was how we met. And we didn't really say a lot. And then we went on stage and we just jammed for like three hours and played, just got deep into the funky live hip hop grooves and uh i looked over him at the end of the show and we like kind of went up and gave each other a hug and it was like we had said everything that needed to be said and now we were like friends and brothers and ever since then you know he's been someone that uh i've always considered to straddle that you know that line between friend and brother and uh yeah i mean could I couldn't think of a better way to like get to know someone than uh, than just musically. It was such a sweet introduction, and uh, so yeah, his name is Eli Carlton Pearson. You might know him as ECP. Um, he's got a band called PSDSP. It stands for Physical Suicide Detergent Deterrent System Project. They're badass. Uh, it, it defies me giving it a genre, but they definitely rock out and uh, highly recommend going online and checking out the music, PSDSP. Um, and he's just like one of the most, you know, terribly beautiful, creative artists um, that I've ever had the, the, you know, the luck of meeting and coming across. Um, this guy really, I think, it, you know, is just purely genuine in all forms and someone that when I was going down the short list of like people that I really wanted to have on, this guy was right at, up there at the top. And so, 
you know, with, I think a day's notice, I called him up yesterday and I was like, Hey, I need you to come on. Uh, and he was open to it. Um, he hopped on there with me today and yeah, we just kind of get into life and philosophy and love and smells and, you know, watermelons and, um, you know, it, it, I think the intention at the very start for me was like, you know, I know I love Eli and I just want everybody else to, you know, kind of get a little taste of what Eli-ness is like, what the flavor of this man is. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce on this podcast, this episode of the Bartcast, uh, my very good friend and brother, Eli Carlton Pearson. Here we go. buddy what's up eli dude just living uh i don't know if it's the dream but it's definitely a dream here in lagunitas california yeah i bet it's gorgeous out there today dude it it has been just absolutely off the chain out here have you uh where did you go you said you went for a run earlier we were, we were chatting uh yeah like an hour ago i'm so blessed to just be able to to hit the trails by leaving my front door and, and nothing more complicated than that. But yeah, I go into Samuel P. Taylor. There's a nice. cool little loop that I like in there. Solid. Yeah. That's my, it's my childhood play place. I think the first camping trip I ever did was, was up in Samuel P. running through the redwoods and throwing sticks at stuff. Yeah, me too. Dude. Uh, we were talking about, before we started, we were talking about like ringtone, uh, history, <laughs> yeah and you were telling me that there was a particular one that you really loved back in the day it was like an island one or something the beach you know <laughs> later on i think i did have another ringtone called maybe the island or island breeze okay which was which was uh not a very satisfactory replacement but originally the this is this is actually kind of an interesting subject so ringtones, I had a good friend who put himself through college doing this, um, programming the OG ringtones. No way. For like the Nokia phone, right? And, yeah. And some of it would come pre-made, but then there was like a thing where you could like download them. I don't know how you got them onto those old phones because they weren't connected to the internet yet. Right. But um, – and he – uh, anyhow, I'm just remembering that what was cool about those is that they were monophonic, meaning mm. that they could only make one noise at a time. Mm. But if you manage to, with the patchwork of filling in all the little gaps when the melody is not taking up that space, you can like go down and add in the bass line. And actually, even though not, no sound can occur at the same time, you could actually make a pretty good mock-up of like, a Dr. Dre song or a Jimi Hendrix song. Um, what pro do you, do you remember what program he would use to, to author those? have no idea. I'm sure it's totally antiquated now. That's going to be such a, like 
I foresee someday in the future, like a cell phone museum where like the Nokia <laughs> brick has its own like whole wing, and there's just like those like old monophonic tones playing, uh, you know. And uh, what I, I always remember, like "I Will Survive," I feel like it was a big one. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember what the other classics were. The uh, I didn't. I think I got in a little bit later into the cell phone game. Are you know very? I think a solid parental choice from my folks. We we didn't get them until sophomore year of high school, and that was a big thing on Christmas. Getting a cell phone. I, I up until that point, I'd been you know running around with a little eight by eleven piece of paper folded up in my pocket, and I had. Legit. Uh, I had, you know, it all organized, like, alphabetically, all handwritten, all my friends' numbers. And then I got so into it that I started, uh, like, I had, like, subcategories. So there were, like, my homies, there were the people <laughs> I bought weed off of. There yeah. were, like, the girls that I thought were cute. There was, like, you know, uh, family. That's pretty sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I swear, like... Every number that was on that list, I, like, still remember to this day. Damn straight. Me too. Um, I was just talking. Yesterday, I was trying to send, uh, like, a hip-hop track to my buddy Brandon, who was on an earlier podcast. And I texted, like, this Slick Rick track. And I just get a response back, like, this isn't Brandon. Why does everyone think I'm Brandon? (laughs) I'm I'm like, sorry, man. Like... Hey, you know, this is my buddy's phone. It was like his first phone and he was a popular guy. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that still have that number, you know, and yep. a lot of us didn't have phones. So we remembered it. And the, and then the person was really nice and like, sorry if I sounded mad, like just been getting a lot of calls and I'm not Brandon. And yeah, I, uh, so I explained it to him and then I texted Brandon, of course, and was like, Hey, like <laughs> here's the track. Uh, but, and I told him the story and he's like, Hey, I'll trade back. I missed that old number. You know, it was like a good number cause it rhymed. Um, yeah. but that was one of the numbers on my list that, that like is lodged in my memory. Cause I looked at it so many times. Yeah. Or sometimes it's the shape. There's plenty of numbers that I, I don't know if I could actually recite them to you, mm-hmm. but I could definitely dial them still. Oh, like the pattern on the, on the dial pad. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, it's just muscle memory. That's it's interesting how that works. The uh, the um, just the different ways that our brains uh, store that that you know seemingly useless data. But when you think about these days, like I bet you, if you surveyed uh, <clears throat> couples in long term relationships on what their partner's number is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm guessing nine out of ten couldn't tell you their partner's phone number. And to me, that seems like something that a generation ago would just be unheard of, you know? Right. A lot of people don't know their own number. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> That's so real. Yeah. That's it. Anyone who's been in a foreign country and had to get a SIM card knows that story too. Like, you know, first couple yeah. of days you're like, what was my number again? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. Well, how how have you been during this whole quote-unquote crisis the the big pandemic brother i have covered the gamut i think i've been through like bliss and full freak out and um 
total like disbelief. Um, I've been, I, all in all, I actually have been doing pretty well, to be honest. Um, nice. I definitely count myself as like extremely lucky. Um, but shoot, um, I've been kind of like reverting into uh, childhood in a certain way, taking this opportunity to like so many of my adult obligations have just been completely chopped off for the time being. Um, and so I've got all this free time and I'm sitting out here in the Valley and now it's, you're seeing more traffic and you're seeing more, uh, both locals and, and visitors out and about, but it just felt like 1995 out here for the last couple of months. Oh man. San Geronimo Valley, 1995 was a great year. Dude. (laughs) Yeah. It's been kind of blissful, like, you know, smoking weed and riding my bike is basically what I've been doing. (laughs) Not not too embarrassed to say. I feel like this this pandemic's been like uh, rise of the introverts, you know, (laughs) like Uh a lot of – I've been kind of in hermit mode myself the last year, so it wasn't that big of a shift of – uh, like day-to-day lifestyle in a lot of ways I think I'm doing better now than I was uh, before the start of it and I'm you know mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I you know am in a solid like a stable living situation and you know I'm able to do little bits of work here and there you know may, my may have 40 bucks in my bank account but I have a good relationship with my landlord so we're like trying <laughs> to figure it out and um there's a but, lot of kinds of currency, right? Right, totally, you know, yeah. and uh, just happen to have a cool dude. We talk, we can't like, every time I call him to be like, hey man, like, going to be a little late on the rent this month. We end up like talking for like an hour about like psychedelics and being an artist and what that means and, oh, wow. you know, like philosophy. So, you know, I'm very grateful to to be living in, the, in one of the rare you know, Bay area homes where I can honestly say that like the, even the title landlord doesn't really seem to apply, you know? Wow. Um, cool. But, uh, yeah, what I, I was curious, like you said, you're, you know, you've been getting into like the more childhood state of mind. Like, do you, uh, as an artist, like, has this been, has it been like easier to create? Has it been harder? Like, have you found like that you're surprised by, uh, hmm. the way that your your brain has reacted to having suddenly all this free time wow yeah that's a pretty juicy subject because like um take a moment my thoughts here um things i have been thinking about you know because i think a lot of us artsy fartsy folk especially people who make their living in the arts um you know, trying to stay up to speed with civilization is just hard as an artist. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I thought that this time would be an incredibly productive time to get to really space out and dig in and get to all these dusty projects at the back of my desk. And, um, and I have, I have been doing a lot of art. I have been doing much more visual art, actually. I'm a, <laughs> maybe I should say for our listeners, I'm a musician by trade, um, but I'm actually starting to take myself more seriously as a visual artist and, and maybe even go towards 
doing that professionally as well because I know that's where the real dough is at, right? Yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, but uh, I guess the most sort of like useful thought that's come from all these, honestly, right now it's not for lack of something to say, but I'm almost like overwhelmed <laughs> by how many aspects of this I've, because I've had a lot of time to think and that's kind of all I've really done is, is space out and think about these subjects. But I think that um, you really do make art for other people. Like where art comes from is a really uh, fun question with a lot of different answers. And right, obviously it comes from the mainframe. You didn't come up with that idea, but you got in touch with source and then it sort of refracted through your consciousness in the unique way that you're shaped and came out. And then everybody can recognize it as something that's related to where they came from. And then they can also appreciate it as something unique about you. Right. Yeah. And I think that because of the disconnect, um, the lack of opportunities to perform, the lack of opportunities to jam and just the lack of opportunities to like look people in the eye and, and see the potential listener or viewer or audience member or collaborator, that circle that we're always in, of sort of passing. Um, yeah, it's just, I think when that there's a, there's a circle and there's a cycle that's going on. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, as, as artists, it's our job to keep going back and trying to get more cool messages from the main frame. Right. Yeah. Ab about love and perseverance and transcendence and humanity and all that. And then we bring it back to the people and we're like, Hey, look, I found this song about heartbreak and everybody's like, Hey, that's really useful to me. Mm. Um, and without that process is just disrupted. And I, I, a lot of the artists, mainly musicians that I've talked to all are at least for the first month. Now I think people are starting to be able to generate their own structures, new structures that are working for them. But I think we're all kind of scratching our heads and thinking like, this should be where, like when I finally put out that solo album or right, those string quartets I've been, threatening to do for years and it, and it wasn't happening you know yeah and i think it's because of that that connection um even though it's not actually gone it's still spiritually there it was harder to believe in that connection and and keep the momentum from before you right. know right yeah man thank you that's such a beautiful uh beautiful eliism that you just laid down there and uh i i, I feel like one of the things I've noticed and, and that I noticed kind of right away, both in myself and in the perceived world that I'm touching through digital tendrils, um, mm -hmm. I saw a lot of my, my artist musician friends. It was almost like from day one, when we were sheltered in place, we had all placed a new pressure on ourselves. Like, Oh, I have the space time to get down to work. And right. I witnessed mostly in people almost like people's own outward, like external dialogue saying like, you know, there was a couple memes that got circulated pretty quickly on like, you don't need to make this the most productive time of your life. Maybe it's enough just to take a de deep breath. But mm -hmm. I think that I did notice, you know, a lot of, a lot of my fellow creators out there, you know, feeling, uh, kind of compelled whether internally or externally 
to produce. And, and I think certainly being in this era where there is a digital platform there for any creator, if they want to reach out and take it, mm-hmm. um, it's a beautiful thing, but it also can be something that can create, you know, just like social media has this tendency to cause one to compare themselves versus everybody else and a very like idealized vision of everybody else you start to see like oh these guys are put together this cute little instagram live like why haven't i done it you know Mm -hmm. and that can for some people be like a really uh inspiring and motivating factor but i think for other artists that could probably be something that causes you to put undue weight on your shoulders and i know for me it took a couple weeks of you know i'm so lucky to have you know, kind of been developing my own self-care tools of, you know, I almost call it like emotional composting. I'm just been churning the soil. And um, what came out of it was like, oh, I've been talking about doing this podcast for like two years, Uh, you know, time to time to figure out like actually what's been holding me back. And then when I did that, I saw like, oh, I actually have all the tech. I can borrow a microphone from my brother I can, you know, I got a computer, I have the tools to do it. And just like that, within a day of like, or two of realizing that, like my first guest just kind of magically appeared. And um, so, you know, I think just to to, to kind of echo what you're saying, or I think it kind of leads me with that question of like, for you, was this a time, did you feel yourself like putting more pressure on yourself? And how did that, you know, did you... How did that result in your own, you know, creativity? Well, honestly, I was uh, super um, grateful for the break and for the 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 break in that. It's funny. There was like there's two kinds of pressure, but there was a fair amount of pressure before this started. Um, I've got like two albums in the hopper fully done. Wow. The main the main obstacle between everybody else's ears. And that record is me dragging my feet, you know, and I've been having similar stuff, but maybe on an even bigger scale of like the elements are there. But for some reason, the the conditions, if only in my mind, haven't aligned to get all that work done. Plus, it takes a lot of time to, to mix and put out an album, just right. no matter how you how you. Are these uh, PSDSP albums or solo albums or? Well, all of the records, there's a PSDSP EP that's done, okay. and there's a PSDSP LP, Luddite, that's done. They're still, they have those really annoying, like, little, like, um, the LP has to be mastered because it's going to go on vinyl. So there's some extra considerations about uh, EQing that so that it sits in the actual, that, that it goes onto vinyl well. And so that it fits on each side and like the right space between the songs, a little stuff like that. Um, but there's actually a, t- I'm starting to, I'm starting to get scattered. Cause there's, sorry, I don't know if you no, can hear it, good. but there's some like, one of the things I love about Oakland is just the music that you hear people playing in their cars. I know nice. my neighbors definitely bumping, that. I don't bumping I really some, can, unfortunately. some nineties, uh, R and B slow jams on the block. So if anyone hears that, it's, you know, some some might say it's cosmically intended, but uh, our soundtrack. <laughs> but uh, you um, were talking about you the just the you know you got these albums sitting waiting to be released. Yeah, yeah, and you had asked, did I feel that pressure to be m- more productive in this period of time? 
Mm-hmm. And I think at first I felt like, again, okay, <laughs> I kind of feel like making it more like of a global thing than a personal thing because same thing that I was talking about when I was talking to other musicians and people were f- having a hard time finding that motivation to create because there was a lack of connection with an audience or that sort of circle was mm-hmm. broken. Yeah. Um, I also, that was also kind of how I interpreted things in general is like most of the problems in the world are a result of people getting too much shit done. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that take. <laughs> and, and I think, I, I think it's a healthy interpretation to, of the whole Corona thing. Like sit the fuck down. Yeah. yeah. Chill the fuck out. Like oh, yeah. stay home. Stop getting so much done humans. Like, you're out of control. Right. Um, in a certain way, I just felt like it was mama put us on a timeout. Yeah. Mon- monkey see, monkey don't do. <laughs> exactly. For what? You know? So maybe, I don't know. That's kind of like, and then that was reflected personally, where I was like, at first, I was sort of lurching around between different motivations, but eventually I sort of succumbed to what seemed to be an overarching theme in the collective consciousness of like, Maybe just don't get something done for once, yeah. um, which is uh, very rare that we step out of that stream of con- that 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 um, line of thinking in our world. Right, man, dude, I, I I feel you. I feel like that's in my mind one of the huge, you know, positives that potential positives to be taken away from this whole experience is like you know, you know, our, our nine to fiver brothers and sisters, you know, yeah. that we love, but we see for, for your, for our, most of our lives. And certainly during our adult lives, we see our friends who are caught up in the, in a world I have tried to live in and, and, and it is pure agony for me to try to enter and, mm. and exist in. Um, but we see them, you know, struggling and striving and pushing and pushing and pushing and, you know, this, this is like nature's way, like you said, of saying like, sit the fuck down and take a breath. And I, Mm -hmm. I'm very optimistic about the cumulative effect of all of these people getting a breath of fresh air, getting a chance to kind of like reassess and reevaluate and be like, wow, like, well, this is what space is like. This is what like getting to eat breakfast with my kids every morning is like, this is what like, sleeping in is like, or this is what, you know, all these things that get deprioritized suddenly become necessities. Uh, and you know, the, the hippie weirdo, uh, North Bay boy in me is like, you know, rejoicing at the fact that maybe we can, you know, get some, um, more people to wake up from the veil of their own, like obsessive fatigue. That's, that's just like one of the effects of mm-hmm. the system that's that we all know is inherently broken you know? yeah um, yeah so, well said you know th- th- you know th- obviously there's a lot of been a lot of pain and a lot of suffering as the result of this disease and and i you know my heart goes out to everybody who's been negatively affected but i can't mm-hmm. help but also be hopeful that like maybe some of these societal changes that we've been hungering for and and you know that many people have been working really hard for, we might be able to get 
some of these things. It is pretty funny how there's like mandatory social, like widespread socialism right now. And there's right. Like, you know, I don't even think I, I, I'll be honest. I'm pretty out of touch every time I've like tuned into a, a news source to try to get informed. Right. It there didn't give me too much information I could do anything about. And most of it just, you know, so, but I do, you know, there's all this, these stimulus packages and I, I know there's a lot of opinions about how they should be implemented, mm-hmm. but in general, we are experimenting finally with some pretty far out socialism. And I'm, I'm happy that people are getting on un- unemployment and it's like, uh, they are getting these little stimulus packages and I mean, shit, I know it's super duper stressful if you've got a family and. And I, yeah, I know that it ain't perfect, but um, I just think it's kind of funny that we, for a minute, there was a a breath of hope we might have Bernie Sanders in office, and hey, there's man, been it's... so many things that are so apropos of his policies that right. happened right after that. I still dream about a Bernie comeback, you know, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Biden. He seems like a walking the walking dead to me. Um, and you know, I, we're living in some strange times, but I still, you know, wouldn't, I still fantasize about like a revenge of the burn, you know, last minute comeback where he like rides in on a white horse and, you know, somehow, somehow pops up at the convention and gets it. I think that we really yeah. need that kind of paradigm shift. I, I don't think a Biden's going to beat, you know, I don't want to get into politics too deep here, but I just, Me I don't either, see it. I don't yeah. see that guy, you know, lasting through the cycle even. And like, there's so many questions about his health, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, man, I, I wanted to, uh, to ask you, you know, while, while I got you on here, you know, I know when we, we talked yesterday, maybe about doing this, you were telling me that you've kind of been gearing up for a little retreat of sorts into the, the misty Hills. And I was just curious if, uh, you know, you wanted to talk about that at all or, or what, what are you doing? What the impetus is, you know? Yeah, I guess, you know, I was tripping out about that. Cause some of it, when things are really spiritual, there's like, a, there's like, it's hard to find the right lines about some stuff is really important to share mm-hmm. that you got that you have witnessing from your friends and your tribe, your community. Um, and then some stuff is like important to like let sit in your belly, right? Totally. Um, so I was actually sort of thinking some of that through um, about like what I want to what I want to share, but. Um, well maybe even sorry oh i was just saying you know one one thing that i've found like if 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 it's too hard or if it's you're feeling like resistant to speaking in the specific you know you're always welcome to just speak in the general you know right Um, yeah and, and maybe it's enough just to say like yeah i'm doing this this uh retreat or i'm doing this trip or whatever and like, these are some things that I like in general about that kind of stuff or that, you know, yeah. not to put words in your mouth, but no, just, that's helpful. Uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think, so, uh, 
so I and I also want to acknowledge through through a lot of what we've been talking about, um, both of us are obviously in a position of immense good fortune and privilege as well. And like one of the biggest privileges that uh, that I enjoy is that I le- live right the fuck on the edge of nature. And so like a lot of nature. And uh, it's funny, even though I'm a nature boy and I'm from Marin County and I've been out here a lot. Um, I'm not very active about exploring my backyard, my literal backyard, which just mm-hmm. goes up onto Mount Barnaby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, one of the things that I did manage to get more productive about during this time is exploring. And I've been exploring the shit out of this region and uh, just sort of feeling like John Muir. I've gotten to some places and really felt like I'm the only motherfucker out there. Right. Really, really, really cutty spots that are – you know, a day's walk from my house. Um, but, uh, yeah, I finally, I was just like, dude, I'm throwing a water filter, a sleeping bag, a sleeping pad, two hard boiled eggs, a bag of Brazil nuts, some dried apricots, um, four bags of berries, black Irish tea, (laughs) um, a little bit of sugar. And, uh, uh, yo, yo, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. So yeah, you were saying you had a apricots and un- and sugar and black tea and <laughs> Yeah, I was just giving you my little John Muir backcountry list. Hell yeah. Um I'll fucking open up about what I did. Sure. Anyhow. Uh yeah, it was cool cuz cuz uh I wanted to um I went out for my first trip um, on John Muir's birthday, which was April 21st. And uh, a lot of people know who John Muir is. And uh, I mean, he's just such the the embodiment of um, appreciation for creation. Oh, he was God. so full of love and joy for, for the earth. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's something that I, that I, came across recently that I think is a little apropos in certain fantasy literature. Mm. There's a subset. There's a sub race, which is called the mirror. Really? And they're half elf, half human. So when the human, apparently humans and no, elves are I genetically compatible. There you are. Wait, say again, your the signal cut out. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. So in, yeah, in certain, Subsects of, of fantasy literature, uh, there's a, a, a race called the Muir, which are right. half elf, half human. Nice. And they're, uh, you know, they, you know, in, in this world, elves, and you know, I mean, I think in most fantasy worlds, elves and humans are uh, genetically compatible. Who wouldn't want to date an elf? I know I would. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's fitting that, uh, that the name of the race would also be the name of this guy who was, I think many would consider a bit elfish himself. Yeah. He had some extra, some extra features that made him super hardy and cut out for the forest and the Sierras and everything. Um, I climbed, so on his birthday, I climbed up to a top of the top of a big old Doug fur, you know, some dug furs they're like ladders into the sky it's really easy to climb them 
and uh, got pretty far up there, and the wind was blowing really hard, and the ravens were flying around, and and I know that he liked to climb trees in the middle of thunderstorms, and uh, and I didn't actually plan it like that, and I hadn't thought that it was his birthday until then, and I remembered, and I was, that felt really cool to be, you know, following in his footsteps in that way. Yeah. Um, and then the next day was Earth Day, and I spent both those days entirely on the land, pretty much fasting. I, I had the food that I was talking about, but considering the fact that I walked up and down mountains, like 10, probably over 10 miles each day with a pack on, mm-hmm. um, it was essentially fasting. Yeah. And that, that was cool too, because I really got to appreciate, I've done a fair amount of fasting. Um, but, uh, it's been a little while and, and, uh, there were times where I was like at the bottom of a mountain and I was like, I can't get up this thing. And then I'd like eat an egg, one hard boiled egg. And then like, that was literally the gasoline in my tank. And then I like burned it to get to the top of the hill. You know? Picturing that, that Mario, Super Mario moment when you eat the mushroom and it's like, doodly, doodly, doodly. <laughs> fully, fully. I love it. Yeah. And so it was, it was, that was really powerful. Just, you know, how, how available nature is and how generous it is. Um, and we can't do it on our terms. We can't just go get a hit of nature. You can't just do a shot of espresso, like a shot of nature, like you can do a shot of espresso. You have to like go there and stay there. But, um, man, like I've been really stressed out and dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression and it was like fucking psychotherapy download. Everything got easier and clearer to deal with. And, um, I was just so grateful for it and, um, have really been trying to push myself to, to get out there as often as possible. Um, it's funny how, you know, I know in my own life, like, it's just hard to get to the trailhead sometimes. Yeah. But every time, like, I'm, like, you know, five steps in down a trail, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I love this. Right. <laughs> like, why don't I do this every day, you know? And, uh, you know, today I did get out on a hike, and it was beautiful. And uh, nice. But I've been finding, like, especially in the mornings, having little bits of anxiety uh, mm-hmm. and you know, using that as the tool that, that does motivate me. Cause I know that if I get out and start sweating, whether it's a right. run, whether it's a hike, um, whether it's like, you know, some Frisbee or something, uh, it's a, it's, you know, a pretty much a cure all, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. sorry, I kind of interrupted what you were saying. About oh no, that's super, that's super related. What is that about? Why does it take, so much every time I've planned a trip, um, especially if I'm going alone, I encounter an intense amount of mental resistance. Yeah. It's really fucking weird. Like, and then, and I always leave later than I want to. And, uh, and then the same thing when you get out on the trail, sometimes it takes me a little while to work through it. And then I'm, I'm, inevitably like super duper grateful that I went. Right. Um, I wonder where that resistance comes from. It's almost like this, like the, the like large cosmological 
damn it, someone's like laying on their horn right now. Or maybe it's just a, a car alarm. Car alarms need to be phased out. Um, yeah, but or at least more musical. Right, yeah. I wouldn't mind if it was playing like a Montuno right now. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, the the uh, it's almost like the large cosmological, spiritual, you know, experience of like your mom saying like, eat your vegetables, you know, <laughs> like I, I've experienced it with <clears throat> trying to get into like a yoga practice or trying to get into meditation or trying to just like eat right or exercise. There's almost like this perverse, uh, you know, dark energy that we're all kind of hungry for in doing the wrong thing or being naughty. Yeah. You know, staying up too late or, you know, hitting the spliff or, you know, like however it manifests. Um, and deep down, we know that there's these other things that like cumulatively will make us happier in general. Um, I, yeah. I heard this really interesting conversation the other day about it. And they were basically talking about how it was a, there, it was a talk on habits and they were saying that. Um, quote unquote, good habits versus bad habits. A lot of times, like what we, you know, define as good habits are these things that in the short term are kind of unpleasant or like, aren't really giving you a payoff. If you're going to go start working out at the gym, you're going to have sore muscles. It's kind of uncomfortable, uh, meditating. You're like stuck with your thoughts and it just feels like, again, uncomfortable. And you're like, what am I doing? This isn't working. Yeah. Um, but then in the long term, you, you, you're making these like one degree steering of your ship and you end up having these like really profound positive benefits. And the other side of that is with these, you know, so-called bad habits. A lot of them are that like instant gratification. I can do it right now. It's going to make me feel better. It's going to give me, mm -hmm. whether it's the sugar cereal or the cigarette that you have or the, you know, masturbation to porn or whatever, you know, it's this kind of short term. Yeah. Hit that uh when you extrapolate it out over a decade three decades a lifetime can have some pretty like gnarly ramifications for your life and for your body yeah well said i think that is sort of a, a theme with most of these things um that there's some delayed gratification um for the things that you really should be gratified by right yeah and you don't really have like a clear you know, moment I find with those like larger, more kind of fulfilling things. It's not like you're like, Oh, suddenly I'm happy, you know, or, mm -hmm. Oh, I've achieved a state. Mm -hmm. They kind of like, it's almost like they just set in and you don't really notice, but then like, you know, you, maybe you have a moment a couple months later where you're suddenly like, Hey, I've been feeling pretty good lately. Yeah. You know, it's not like a, a clear distilled, high like you might have it's real more, talk it's more this like kind of gentle you know swelling or maybe it, it just manifests as like less you know panic attacks or mm -hmm. you know like uh just a, um you know a general sense of ease or good you know you're able to kind of make some things happen so yeah, yeah. one uh the sound just got fucked up again, so I might need to call you again. Can you can you hear me? I'll hang on for a sec. Any luck? Mm. All right, let's try it again.
Well, I'm still here, and uh, I'll take this opportunity to uh, thank our sponsors, uh, Scented Band-Aids, Scratch and Sniff brand. Um, Scented Band-Aids are a product that hasn't been around very long. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, for anyone out there that is, uh, you know, looking for, you know, a product, oh, here we go again. We, we got our guests coming back in. And there is that, is that Eli? That's me. I was just doing a read for our podcast sponsor, Scratch and Sniff Scented Band-Aids. Oh! Uh, You know, for too long have Band-Aids, you know, not been in the realm of of scented products. And so, you know, it's a small upstart company. I'm really trying to to support them Mm. by getting the name out and the word out that uh, now you can, you know, I think they have cherry vanilla bergamot lime um is this real (laughs) it's as real as you want it to be man (laughs) well dude those are some pretty awesome flavors to come up with on the top of your head bergamot (laughs) lime that sounds awesome hey i'd smell that (laughs) (laughs) band-aid that's about as funny of a phrase to take out of context as i've heard in a while yeah maybe i should put it on a (laughs) t-shirt Yeah, cool. All right. Well, but uh but yeah, go on. <laughs> so, <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? Well, one thing I was going to say is just the amount of gratitude that I have to music. Mm. Because maybe it's the only world that I know of that for me um that that uh, system of delayed satisfaction for the things that you should do and more instant satisfaction and worse ramifications for the things you shouldn't do that thing, which I I do think that that's a profound um, observation um, doesn't really happen as much. I I mean, rather music is the, is the one place that that relationship sort of breaks down Mm. for me. And the main thing I've been doing during quarantine is practicing drums. Ooh. And it's, uh, it's totally slow, incremental change, really trying to get my right foot to do what I want it to. Um, and it's, it's just, I don't know, it's like such, it's, I'm so grateful for it. It's such a beautiful, active uh, meditation that both I can see, I get, I can see the progress enough short term it's enough time lapse like okay i definitely am better than that at that rudiment than i was you know an hour ago um but it's also sort of this hidden slow process um that i don't fully recognize i don't really remember getting as good as i've gotten at drums so far right Mm, yeah you know but it's definitely a result of of all the time i've put in already and uh right um, and I mean, the coolest thing about music, too, is it, you really get to experience that synergistic benefit. Like, I know, you know, I'm sure when you sit down and play your guitar now, there's certain things where you're like, wow, I got way better at, the, at, at doing certain things on here. And mm-hmm. I know if I sit down for 30 minutes on a, on a kit and then I go to try to try to play bass or play keys like my rhythm is super tight and I'm like, suddenly my brain is open. Certain doors have opened that wouldn't have opened if I had just sat down at those other instruments. True. And, um, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but 
one of like the, uh, I feel like life's little nuggets of truth that I've managed to mine is that experience of when you take a little bit of time off. Yeah. And, like your brain keeps like processing the data of all the mm-hmm. work that you've done, the pro, you know, whether it's working on your jump shot or a kickflip or, a, you know, practicing a, a scale run, you know, you take a little time off and you come back and suddenly like some of that stuff has, has been processed and you're like, Oh, I'm better than I was when I, when I stopped. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that integration. Right. I mm-hmm. don't, I don't know how to do integration on purpose, right? but, uh, but it's a real thing when you give like, it's like the, the flavors in the soup all like, uh, clicking into each other. Totally. Like, it takes a while to become itself. Yeah, like or like if you've ever been like trying to learn a song or or work on it, like maybe you you wrote just wrote a new riff, and you're like, you're kind of getting it. You've been working at it for an hour, and you kind of like get to a place where you're like, all right, I, I played it right, like, you know, three out of seven times. You know? Right. Uh, and then you go to sleep, and you wake up the next morning, and you're like, playing it five out, four out of five times. You know, like yeah. It, you, you need that extra time for it to lock into a different memory memory system. And um, that can be incredibly frustrating, <laughs> but yeah. also like, you know, I found like with my own frustrations with trying to become a better musician, like trying to look for those small wins and like appreciate, uh, you know, when I do get stuff like that. This is a this is a very like this is a subject that's very relevant to the personal and and then again I guess we've been sort of bouncing back and forth between the 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 collective consciousness and the personal yeah but like that need for the instant gratification is the source of like so much violence in this world mainly mm-hmm. talking about like violence toward the earth right it's yeah. like like you don't get watermelons right now right you know? <laughs> You just, you, you shouldn't have them unless, unless you want to, you know, start shipping them across the world and burning a whole bunch of petroleum. And Mm -hmm. we could come up with a bajillion other examples. Maybe we should, but that's what it, it, it makes me think of is like, um, there's, there's a lot of really, really, really deep wisdom, uh, in respecting those boundaries and limitations of time and those processes and the, the necessary resting time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say that's maybe the, maybe the crux of why capitalism is breaking the world. Right. Um, it's not that we can't have these things. It's just that we can't have them all the time right away. Yeah, and, and how that, much better would the watermelon be if it only came for a couple months a year? You'd be, you'd make sure. I don't remember the last time I had a watermelon, but if I was only getting it once a year, I tell you, I could. Remember. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no doubt. Yeah, no, be, nobody would be picking it before it's ripe. You yeah. know, people would be like letting it really be itself, and so Dude, maybe, I, maybe. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I feel like you're what you just said about like capitalism in general. To me, um, you kind of just described the Spotify model. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, we t- I talked about this with my buddy Lesh on the last podcast, but just like this idea of like, we have all music, or not all music, but like a lot of music in our pocket at any given mm-hmm. time. I can look up a song and 
yeah, that means I can like listen to Led Zeppelin two in South India on a motorcycle and have tears streaming down my face and be in like ecstasy. Cause I can access right. the song I needed to hear in that moment. But it also means that I can access Led Zeppelin two in South. You know what I mean? It's like, it, Oh, I lost him. Um, yeah, here we go. Yeah. You back on? <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's all I'm good, back. bro. This, the, the, you know, the native Americans, and that's even a, a generalization, but me and my brother grew up with this term that, uh, that has been a mantra for me as I try to be a, like a, a creative of any, any value, which is like, you know, the, the, the classic story of, you know, the native American art where you have to leave one stitch imperfect because only mm-hmm. the creator is perfect. You know, how many late night jams and band rehearsals have, have, has the good enough, you know, mentality held sway. And, and, you know, that's always where I try to rem- try to leave it. So, Thank you for uh, for helping me to, to you know praise John leave a stitch unstitched you know yeah yeah we'll just we'll thank my janky ass old phone dude I love it it's it's a uh, you know it provides a little technological weirdness which is exactly what we're talking about right now yeah yeah not I want to get back to talk to to the Spotify thing but that is why I like kind of enjoy even though it's really annoying my shitty old computer and my shitty old truck and my shitty old phone Mm -hmm. because when they break it forces me back i think there's an intuition in me that knows that it's better to wait for the watermelon that i shouldn't just be able to turn the fucking key every time and have it go you know what i mean dude that's 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 the name of your (laughs) that's going to be the name of your memoir eli carlton pearson wait for the watermelon (laughs) yeah yeah, fuck yeah. You can put that on my gravestone. <laughs> I love it. Maybe yeah. that's a song. I think the world needs that song, man. That, that's got some a, nice alliteration in dude, there. That'd be a dope song. Wait for the watermelon. You might have to co-write that, dude. Yeah, dude, I'm down. Right on. That'd be saucy. Cool. Um, right, but I'll yeah, I was just... the my, my point. My point about, you know, the whole Spotify thing is like, that accessibility in a lot of ways has, you know, I still love music, but like, I feel like it's devalued mm-hmm. what the, what the value of one unit of music is like not taking away from the artists and, and there's still so much great music being played, but I feel like it's just like, I'm inundated with this like endless opportunity of like, it's like I can search for anything, so I can't really find anything. And it's like classic yeah. problem with the information overload. There's something to be said. Like, you know, I have this direct contrast. You know, I'm looking at right now my record collection in my room with my record player. I, you know, I probably got like about 50 records. And mm-hmm. somehow with those 50 records, I always know which record to put on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's yeah. never, I'm never wondering. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the one right now. And it's always exactly what I wanted to listen to. Yeah. And, um, you know, that illusion of choice, uh, you know, I think that's something that we're going to continue to, to realize, you know, maybe, maybe there is no crawling back into the tree 
as it were, but maybe we can, you know, find a way right. to climb it on Earth Day, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just a little, little dose of that. Yeah, that's some real shit, man. I mean, it's actually been like, there's been, I've, I've read about dozens and dozens and dozens of studies that basically prove the more choices you have, the more likely you're going to be unhappy with your choice. Mm. It's basically a, a, a simple psychological fact. Most of that has been done because of advertising, right? Mm. They're trying to like predict what people will buy. And that's why there's like 10,000 flavors of Trident gum mm -hmm. because it's a funny, like it's all very exciting because you have all the choices and the colors, mm -hmm. but it's actually, this is, this is a heavy ass thing to think about. That's also a problem at the very foundation of capitalism, which is you being satisfied with what you have is antithetical to the model, right? You being unhappy and you thinking you need more stuff or more any something that you don't have, that's useful because then you could be sold something. And it's based on that basic concept. Like if you have a bunch of choices, you're going to second guess whatever you did choose. You're going to second guess whatever you do have. And we all know it's hard. Like it feels like – you ever seen that ad? I can't remember what company it's for. It's, it says never compromise. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of those ones I was like, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> really enjoy your long-term relationships then. Like, shit. Like, right. what, what kind of advice is that? Yeah. But totally. it's actually a pretty common thought to, to happen across in our society. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you know, your that, that, you know, description that you just gave, you know, being such a, such an apt description, you, you pretty much just summed up internet dating. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's exactly what it is. You know, you're like, there's just too many options. Well, at least the perception of too many options out there. And everyone feels right. like they have a, a thousand potential suitors in their pocket. And so, right. oh, that person, you know, wrote their sentence and using sounds I didn't want to hear. Or, oh, like that felt weird. I guess I'm going to just keep swiping, you know, or you yeah. know, kind of like, it's harder to get down to the deeper level when you're like, you know, the whole like, quote unquote, start of your romance is taking place through this mediated screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trip. I've, I have very little view into that world, but I've heard a lot of amazing stories about those those exploits Bro, stay where it's safe don't i tell any of my friends if they haven't gotten on already i'm like just don't <laughs> yeah stay away it's it's not worth it <laughs> well and i've heard so many times that that you know first impressions it's funny to think back on the people that you hold most dear in your life and think about your first impression of them and it's not always positive you didn't always read them right right mm-hmm but by that, by a different token, you know pretty much instantly in person with body language and the way people hold their shoulders and look into your eyes, whether or not you're attracted to them. Yeah. You know, obviously, if their personality is just off the chain and they're mm -hmm. really interesting, you you know, yeah, people can you, your attraction them. will will grow. Right. Um, well, we just, you know, as humans, we've developed a very keen sense. Uh, of intuition for compatibility. It's, this is not a mistake. This is something that's been right. evolving for, you know, tens of thousands, if not millions of years. And, you know, things like 
you know, smell as well. It's like, I wonder if you introduced smell to Tinder, how that would <laughs> change the landscape. If you could like, you know, press a button and get a little whiff of a potential suitor, uh, <laughs> how that would change the dynamic. I feel like, you know, I've been on a couple dates where I, you know, a girl look cute and I meet up and then they're like swimming in like industrial chemicals perfume wise. Mm. And I'm like, man, like, it's, you know, is this really the hill I want to die on on date two? Like, I'm getting a headache here. And maybe this <laughs> is just like a fundamental thing. Like, you're a you're a perfume person. I happen to be, you know, a, a sagebrush soap, handmade soap kind of guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, you know, it's not, you know, maybe that says enough about our, you know, personalities to where it's not going to, in long term, it's, it, it might not work, but, but yeah. then also, you know, that type of mentality, it's like, I'm already being forced to make those distinctions in my mind because we've only been talking through an app and yeah, I mean, sometimes it, you know, you do meet someone and man, they smell so good and you're like, that's what sticks in your mind or that's what drives some of the emotional you know development in, into into the crush or into the feelings into the yeah you know where i i believe that, that smell you know was the original tele telepathy and that we have uh -huh. sacrificed smell apathy yeah smell apathy we've we've sacrificed uh a telepathic skill that we used to have you know, in favor of these commodified scents, once we started deodorizing and, you know, uh, covering ourselves in oils and burning. And, it is know, interesting. Blade candles. Like, you, used to, you people smell different when they're excited, when they're randy, when they're hungry, when they're afraid, you know, when they're happy. Our bodies release very unique pheromones that, like are communicating to to other people like the states that we're in. And mm -hmm. we know that animals are very acutely aware of these things. You know, you have the little baby deer that can release a pheromone when it's in danger and the mom can sense it, you know, miles away and come to the rescue. And I just wonder what we've given up. You know, uh, I like to be clean as much as the next guy, but like, you know, I, I also, you know, wonder about that sometimes. Like, what what have we sacrificed to, to wear Axe body spray? Yeah, real talk. It's pretty funny how it's like, don't ever smell at all, except like this other random shit. It's not even don't ever smell at all. It's <laughs> like, don't ever smell like you. Right. It's very specifically. And I think that's kind of at the root of it all, right? I mean, if I could take two two sayings from today's talk, it's don't ever smell at all like you and wait for the watermelons. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or to make it on the positive, smell like you. you there know? you go. Yeah. Smell like you. Yeah. That's, that's a I remember my, my friend Paul put it really well. His wife was haranguing him for smelling like a freaking ape man, which is what he is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he was like, baby, I could, you're telling me to smell like another million guys in America? Every, you know, like how many people have Old Spice deodorant under their arm? Right. We all smell the same. He's like, this is how I smell. This is my, and that was the first time I'd heard it articulated really well. Right. That's my one of, <laughs> it's my one of a kind love that's, scent, baby. <laughs> that's the proprietary blend. Yeah. You can't get that any, anywhere else. Nah, I'm, 
This has been in my family recipe for generations. Exactly. But you know that's very, but that's very true too because they, you know, they've done so many different studies on attraction and smell. And one of the, my favorite ones was like the famous one where they gave they had all these guys uh, sleep in t-shirts, and then they gave the t-shirts to women. And they like gave him a survey, you know, to rate uh, how attractive the guy was based on the T-shirt, on the smell mm-hmm. of the T-shirt. And then they, then they like showed the guys to the girls, and it was like one to one, spot on, you know, for their attraction to that person. You know, I think they probably did another survey afterwards or something. But just that, wow, um, that it really is. You know, there's these. There's there's stories about um, another interesting like tangent off this is like women that have been on birth control when they meet their partner and then mm. later go off birth control and suddenly like right. lose all attraction and they like the hormonal change causes what once was like they loved the smell of the person they were with to like suddenly they can't stand it. You know. Yeah, I've heard about that. And uh, it's just really, I mean, it's just fascinating that I feel like it's like an under, it's something we don't think about a, a lot. That You know, the sense of smell is almost like the black sheep of the scent family, you know. Mm-hmm. We only really talk about it in the negative, you know, as far as courtship goes. and um, or, or maybe we prior, primarily, I feel like with, with mar- the way that we've been marketed to, Mm-hmm. Rather than like smell is like something like oh you don't want to smell bad or you know it's like it's been well yeah things things that connect us to our animal nature and the wild have right. been systematically drummed out of us I ne- I never really understood why that campaign became so important you know yeah but it but it it did to to powers of yore right yeah um, some good food for thought yeah I. You know, not not to sound like a white shamanist hippie, even though maybe I kind of am. Um, but on my trip, you know, when I did my little walkabout in India, uh, yeah, I had this experience with this person where, you know, we took about, we met on this tropical beach, and it was, you know, I think eleven days straight without a shower, just swimming in the ocean, and, um. Then we ended up traveling together and like, you know, not always being in the, in spots where you could bathe or shower and, uh, the pheromones were definitely flying and I've never felt like such a strong physical attraction to anybody in my life. You know, I couldn't get within like six feet of her without Mm -hmm. game on, you know, (laughs) (laughs) suddenly my body's been hijacked. I'm like, what's going on here? Am I 16 again? You know? Yeah. And, uh, and that really like really underscored you know that thing for me i was like damn like yeah like i can smell her body odor and Mm -hmm. it's doing it and it's working and you know it was like more more passion and more like of this kind of animal feeling you know than Mm -hmm. uh, I, i was thinking about i don't know if you've ever read uh Tom Robbins jitterbug perfume. Yeah, I've I've thought about that a few times since you've been talking. Right, about, just about the way this. that he talks about like the god Pan and like mm-hmm. how Pan walks through the village and suddenly everybody's having wet dreams and you know 
yeah. smelling a strange and slightly offensive scent. You know? Yeah, yeah, and how the whole efficacy of the the perfume is hitched to the the beet pollen, right. which is specifically that sort of uncomfortable, slightly sexual, unctuous smell is what makes the beauty of the rest of it go, you right. know? I think too familiar was another term that he applied to it or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely yeah. intimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, is that shit been distanced, but I love I love talking about it. Yeah. Uh, right. Well. Cool, man. Brother, it's been uh, uh, as we discussed before we were even recording, uh, you know, I've, it's, it's been a, it's been a weird place to exit one's own isolation and try to right. be a sensible person in a way that, that, uh, might be sensible or, uh, entertaining to the rest of the world. But, um, anyhow, it's just so fucking fun to talk to you. It's so easy to talk to you. And Dude, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and I, you know, I knew that, uh, you know, whatever topics came up, like you, you know how to bro down in the, you know, I think the term bro is something that I'm trying to reclaim because I think for a lot of people it has a negative connotation. But uh, when I think of you, you're like one of my total cosmic bros and, uh, and embody like all the most positive aspects of, of bro-ness. And uh, it just, uh yeah. Yeah, I love you, man, and I'm I'm so glad you came on and and just getting to feel some Eli energy. You know, that's exactly the type of uh, type of yeah. All just... right, <laughs> let's get let's get the side off with style. Right, You're talking about bro was the last thing I got there. Just trying to, you know, it's a term that I've been trying to reclaim because I think it it gets a lot of negative connotation, and and certainly yeah. there are plenty of douchey bros out there, but yeah. you know, my take on brodom is it's like sometimes <laughs> you know you you need to go to a character who's, you know, they're, you, maybe you don't want to go, you know, into, into like a big intense moment or you don't want to like go to, maybe sometimes you just need to like bro down and like, yeah. And I know what you mean. It's like an avatar that's not inauthentic. Yeah. That you can like, just sort of assume. Yeah. Like, you know? yeah. Like we're, it's all good, bro. You know, mm-hmm. throw up a little shaka, you know, it's like, uh, and, and you're someone that, you know, one of the things I love talking about you is you are, you know, willing to dive in with me and get vulnerable. And we've certainly had some, uh, really amazing conversations. You're, you're one of those people I feel like, you know, easy to stay up till 4am hashing out philosophy with and, uh, you know, um, where, where conversation does become a, come like a creative art into itself. And it, it is a sort of a jam. So. I really appreciate you uh, coming on my podcast and jamming out with me, man. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, it's a and pleasure. all the yeah. best on your uh, on your journey of sorts, and maybe we can do it again when you get back, and uh, if, if you feel like sharing any, any new insights, I certainly would love to hear them. I'd love to. I think that there will be a market change in my uh, <laughs> my mental landscape 
once I've spent a little time out there. So I'll get in touch with podcaster. No, it'll be fun to talk. Hell yeah, brother. All right. Well, we'll have a goo and Eli and be safe out there and much love to you. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. Right on. Likewise, Hobie. Much right. love. Peace. Peace. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Um, super stoked that my bro ECP could uh, make it on here with me and I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation pretty cool dude I think he's got like one of the most tubular voices I've yet to encounter and uh, certainly echoed a lot of my sentiments with his words Um, apologies for all the little cutouts and audio stuff we had to uh, do some last minute uh, problem solving um, due to, uh, you know, some legacy technology we were dealing with, but we made it work. I think we made it work. We had to use a uh, FaceTime instead of Skype, which is what I usually use. And, uh, we put the comparison to the test and FaceTime fell flat on its face. Um, just a lot of dropouts. So hopefully it's not too jarring for y'all. I did my best to edit around it and, uh, make something that hopefully doesn't drive everyone too crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, ECP, my boy, thank you so much. Uh, I do want to try to be better, uh, in the future of remembering to ask my fellow creatives, uh, to give out their social media links. Um, I forgot to do it in the actual session with him, so I'm going to do it after the fact here, but If you want to check out Eli's music, uh, the best way to find his band, um, his music is at uh, his Instagram pages. PSDSP Band is the Instagram handle for the the band of that name. PSDSP Band. And then his other band is Jamfu, which is J-A-M-F-U underscore band. So Jamfu underscore band. Um, Those are the two Instagrams. I think you could probably find there may be a PSDSP Facebook as well. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, go check out the music, you know? Um, the other thing is, uh, a band camp account, um, which is M I L M Lord L O R D dot bandcamp.com. That's, uh, that's the band camp for, for his music. And, um, yeah, check them out. I would say PSDSP is like kind of grungy rock uh, done in a really unique way. And uh, Eli plays guitar and sings and, and is a chief songwriter for that project. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, here it is. Episode four in the books. Uh, I love you all. And uh Just want to say thanks again for listening, and um, I hope you're all staying safe and being well in this time. Hit it, JJ.